everyone. Thank you so much for listening to Luxa Call. First things first, I feel I should give you all a bit of a content warning. Uh, my guest today is Hector from Fool's Guide to the Occult podcast. He starts out by talking about the protests in Portland, Oregon, which entails accounts of violence and racism and police brutality. There's also a short discussion of politics. These things might not seem like they belong in a show about occultism, and under normal circumstances, it's possible I might agree with that sentiment. But it no longer seems like circumstances can fairly be described as normal. So we begin to talk about other topics around minute 28, so you can skip there if you feel that this is what is best for you. Although I should warn that later on in the interview, there is a short discussion of emotional abuse um, in childhood. So please take care of yourself. Um, but if you are able, I would encourage you to listen to what my guest has to say, especially about what's happening in some American cities right now. I feel like it's important to get the word out there as much as possible about this stuff. Um, and I also, I want to give a big shout out to those of you who are listening from outside of the U.S., Norway, South Africa, UK, Sweden, Ireland, Brazil, Canada, Germany, Australia, all the rest of you. I'm so sorry if I didn't list your country. Thank you so fucking much for listening. You guys rock. Please don't give up on us. So to provide a little bit of context, Hector and I know each other from when I co-hosted um, on his show in the second season. Uh, we began collaborating just before the quarantine, and I think we managed to channel a lot of like the stress and craziness and all that stuff surrounding that time into making a lot of content very quickly. I think that there's actually like over 30 hours of us talking out there um, and we produced it all in the space of just a few months so we also worked together magically we made some servitors an astral temple we did some I guess you could call them like parasite experiments like with a sigil designed to help us kind of like psychically link up all of it was super interesting uh, definitely interesting experience I learned a whole lot about a whole lot of stuff for better or worse <laughs> just kidding. I don't really think there is any worse when it comes to learning, in my opinion, but that could just be my Luciferian streak showing. I don't know. Anyway, I, I wanted to say that I appreciate Hector's willingness to come on the show. I definitely don't agree with everything he says, which is probably obvious, um, especially as it pertains to attitudes about how one should maybe conduct themselves socially. But, uh, you know, our political views are actually pretty close. Um, I Anyway, even though I don't agree, I still respect his candor and his opinions. So, um, yeah, without any further ado, here is my interview with Hector. All right, Hector, dude, thank you so much for being willing to come on the show and talk to me about what I'm realizing some pretty personal shit. <laughs> so, Well, you know, it's been a, a wild uh a few months for me so i'm just kind of laying shit on the line i guess like straight up honest about everything these couple of past few weeks so yeah, yeah. dude Fuck yeah well i appreciate that i think that that's fucking awesome and um before we get into like 
a lot of really interesting shit that you have here about magic and art and all kinds of other shit. Will you tell me a little bit about what's been going on in Portland, dude? Because we're not hearing a whole lot about it or what we're hearing is mostly having to do with like the election and shit. And I don't know, I think it's kind of important to like hear firsthand from somebody who's experienced some of this shit and who knows these people that have been involved in things. So yeah, it's, you know, it's a bit complicated. You know, I'm sure your listeners out there will have some opinions already based on like whatever they may have heard from various politicians or news outlets. And, you know, I hate to have to tell people this, but both left and right wing media are at best admitting crucial details or what? ignoring the facts. And in <laughs> some cases, outright lying. I know it's crazy, right? The news is propaganda. Oh, no. What? Ah, it's wild. Um, yeah, again, that's like both sides. So, it, you know, it's it's never really in the interest of any politician or a person whose interest is in power instead of helping people to tell the truth. But I am curious what information are at least you hearing because you're on the opposite coast of me. So like, yeah, so pretty much everything that I'm hearing is about it's all centered around how does this make the candidates look and what are they doing about it? And it's basically all focused on the election, not about the other issues of the desperate need to reform a variety of aspects of our society. Okay. Well, all right. I guess I'll just dive into it. So like, and this might get a little disjointed. There's a lot of factors and I can't really like talk about everything because we could really just talk about this forever. But <laughs> I guess here's like the short, not so short, but bittersweet truth. Like many states in the United States of America, this kind of came to a head with the public outrage over the continued police executions of unarmed African-American citizens, right? And basically the failure, not basically, literally the failure of our establishment to take any sort of justifiable action against this kind of like police brutality and murder. Um, beyond that, Oregon itself has like a deeply racist history. Uh, very few people are aware of Oregon was founded as a white Mecca. Slavery wasn't allowed here because Oregonians didn't want black people in the state to begin with. God, that's like double. That's it's, it's super like, bad, right? When you told me that the first time, it like fucking, I felt like a robot being told a fucking, what is it? A paradox because I thought my fucking head well, was like a <laughs> Right? A non sequitur. Like, what? I don't get it. Yeah, no, it's crazy, right? Um, so, obviously, they, Oregon fights on the, the, uh, the Union side of the Civil War, right? And eventually, when black people start entering Oregon, it became a, a hotbed for the KKK. And, you know, on into the future, it has, like, established neo-Nazi presidents. We have, like, white supremacist skinhead groups. And, like, there's lots of uh, hate groups. If you look at like the Southern Poverty Law Center, it has a hate map of the United States. If you click on Oregon, you can see there's several. Proud Boys is one of those groups, but actually, technically, I think they're mostly out of towners from Washington who just like come into Portland and hold rallies and try to start shit and like look for fights with leftists. And it's kind of crazy. Even before all this shit started, they would like show up and like have a rally and then like hang around until nighttime and then like go beat people up on the street just kind of fucking crazy yeah that's fucking shitty yeah it is um in several cases they've like seriously injured people and really all this kind of started yeah, literally started after the election of you know the wannabe orange king uh but you know that's just all context so on into the present here so for 
man, over 80 days now, Portlanders have been holding it down with several hundred on into the thousands of people every night, um, holding protests, vigils, marches um, in solidarity with Black Lives Matter and against police brutality and racist policies and stuff like that. The protests, despite what I guess our powers that would want us to believe, you know, the powers that be would want us to believe, uh, have been mostly peaceful with a few exceptions. Um, Those exceptions largely being connected to um, agent provocateurs, which is people that basically they're the opposition, whether they're police or members of white supremacist groups that embed themselves on the side of the protesters to do stuff in attempts to discredit it, like throw shit at people or break windows and shit and not saying that some protesters aren't doing that but like it's a it's a complicated territory um because there's a lot of different political ideologies coming together in one space and stuff. yeah just sorry to interrupt real quick but like yeah the the whole concept of like the agent provocateur is not new like these are age-old tactics you know you can hear about them in oh, history. Absolutely. i think yeah so it's this is not something that like is just being dreamed up by quote-unquote conspiracy theorists or whatever like this is actually a thing i just wanted to say that anyway no it's a it's a grounded tactic like false flag operations i mean that stuff's been going on for thousands of years like people have been doing it for a long time uh it's not new not at all yeah so when people pretend like it doesn't exist then you should be suspicious of that opinion that's all i'm saying <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, there there was one incident where a road flare was tossed into a building. It singed a little carpet and it got spun out by the media as protesters set a building on fire. No one set a building on fire. Um, we've set some dumpsters on fire. I say we. The people have set some dumpsters on fire. But again, that's like a, a strategy, right? To keep people who want to hurt you away from you. <laughs> Um, the police reaction every single night has been uh, to, again, largely peaceful people standing around holding signs, men, women, children, parents out with babies. Like, this, this is like the general public and the police just like every night declare a riot on peaceful people standing around and then they tear gas us every single night. And then, uh, you know, the orange child in the White House. uh caught wind of all this right and and found out this was all primarily taking place at the uh, federal justice center downtown uh he sent the department of homeland security as well as several border patrol units and some other agency that i really can't remember right now just literally out to terrorize people this was when they started using what they call baton rounds to shoot protesters which are not rubber bullets there's they're not the same thing baton rounds are just these massive cartridges that are called quote unquote less than lethal but they still kill people and seriously hurt people um so yeah they're literally just shooting people with these rounds yeah yeah i just looked one up yeah this looks pretty fucked up yeah so they were shooting people with those um tear gas flashbang grenades uh using lrads which is like a a sonic weapon which is pretty fucked up But yeah, so like these rounds will crack through people's helmets, like lots of people have gone to the hospital with broken bones and severe bruising. I talked about that person who got shot in the face. Uh, And yeah, so, you know, these are federal agents shooting unarmed civilians for largely just holding signs. Um, I mean, people have been going out with shields because they're shooting at you. So try and block that shit. But like nobody's, I don't know, weapons or throwing beer bottles or something at the cops. That's not really a thing that's happening. Sure, there's been some graffiti in the area. I mean, how long can you stand out and 
be brutalized without putting the writing on the wall. I mean, there's stuff like don't feed the pigs or fuck all cops, stuff like that. So, oh yeah. So in addition to uh, tear gassing and shooting at people, they were using a drone to mine people's cell phone data and then track them back to their houses and arrest them after, you know, being present at a quote unquote unlawful assembly, which is not a thing like, uh, protest is protected by our, I guess, essentially meaningless constitution. Um, and they were also using like unmarked vans to straight up kidnap people off the streets. Yeah, all, all of what you said is obviously troubling. I think the thing with the drone especially so because, I mean, obviously the slippery slope is a logical fallacy, but it's not a good precedent is what I would say. <laughs> yeah, it's especially if this guy stays in office somehow. It's not over yet. All right. So basically, after the governor finally got Cheeto guy, I'm trying not to say his name. I uh, yeah, I, I haven't said his name in quite a long time, man. <laughs> I'm telling you, some evil entities yeah, gain power when you say their name. He who shall not be named. <laughs> um. So so after the, after the Cheeto boy uh, withdrew his lap dogs, shit actually got worse, to be honest with you. Like the news has been reporting that uh, since the federal troops left, the protests in Portland have been like significantly more peaceful. But, you know, it, it's not really being reported on largely what's happening. I've, we've had many clearly lark, uh, marked independent press vehicles present at rallies. They've had their windows smashed, tires slashed. Uh, one man drove a truck through a crowd and mowed over a motorcycle. And initially the cops let him go because he was like the son and grandson of two officers. Fuck. But apparently that actually got enough traction that he was eventually brought in and prosecuted. It's like once enough people know about this kind of stuff, it's like you can't not yeah. do anything about it, at least for now. While we still have like a somewhat functional justice system. I don't need yeah, That's and not free even press really a thing. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, well, yeah, we have yeah. Some- we're here talking now so hopefully you're hearing us right yeah it's it's not too bad yet (laughs) could be worse um the year is 2020 (laughs) for posterity right so if you're looking back on this in the future whatever there was a guy who was unknown for several weeks who made uh homemade pipe bombs and threw them at uh, protesters one night uh he was later identified by name and was revealed to be a former navy man to my knowledge he still hasn't been brought to justice um i did read an article that the fbi is quote-unquote working with the local police to bring him in Uh, i don't for what it's worth i don't i don't know what that means anymore So lately, protests have been largely mobile and uh, taking the form of marches with like unannounced destinations until like the time the march starts to move. Um, Largely, these events take place at night for a lot of reasons. I mean, like people are still working and shit, and that's when you can get the most people, though people are trying to maintain like 24 hour presence in like different spots in the city where there are like vigils and stuff like that. Um, But these nighttime marches have been like nothing short of brutality obviously the police are continuing to employ uh tear gas all the time but they're also like hiding in bushes and in alleyways which local residents have um like reported on and taken note of and in at least one instance a woman came out of her house and asked an officer um why he was hiding in her bushes and like out front of where she lives and asked him to please leave and he approached her and said quote what you want to dance so like just threatening 
blatantly threatening just like local citizens who aren't even part of the protests so these cops will like hide in areas and then they'll rush the marches and just like like straight on bull rush them and chase people through the streets they've been beating people with batons and maces uh or macing them not literal maces um (laughs) that would be crazy (laughs) give them horses too fuck uh no don't do that uh two people i know personally have been uh, repeatedly beaten. One of them punched several times, had their helmet and respirator ripped off and was maced in the face uh, while trying to drag away. Um, their other friend that was being that was on the ground being like beaten by the cops. My partner is in a band that usually goes out to protests and stuff. Um, but one of their bandmates was recently knocked to the ground while doing nothing. I mean, they were out playing their drum, right? Just like marching, playing their drum. And they were knocked down by one of these cops and the drum fell on top of them which it's like a a bass drum right it's pretty heavy Mm -hmm. um and then they also broke his wife's arm arrested them both and then the following day just like let them go no charges um they're not really charging people anymore they're just kind of from what i understand they're just beating the crap out of people and leaving them in the streets everyone's fair game but i've heard that they're specifically targeting medics which is fucked up um especially since under international law like you can't attack medical personnel at least in a time of war and if you can't do it in war you shouldn't be doing it ever i don't think on the fucking streets of Uh, your own country right yeah it's kind of whacked let's see oh yeah the other night the proud boys uh which is one of the the hate group i talked about earlier white supremacist group from washington uh showed up and shot live ammunition at the ground in front of protesters individuals at the protest id'd them the whole incident was on camera. They collected the shells and uh, turned the information over to the police and they responded, quote, we don't have enough evidence to do anything. And so really, that's where people are. That is the movement in Portland right now. Oh, I should also point out that there are many people who have been involved um, for most, if not all of the demonstrations and those people who have been involved in even half of the demonstrations here in Portland over the past 80 days or, um, have been exposed to more tear gas than any human being on earth ever period. Uh, so we have like no idea what the long-term effects of repeated tear gas exposure will have on people, especially during, um, a pandemic, which causes respiratory distress. So fuck history in the making, you know, not fucking great not fucking great no it's not great it's not you know i really hope something good comes out of all this though most of the people i know that are directly involved are honestly just preparing for things to get worse the closer and closer we get to the election so there's that it's also probably good to point out that before 45 was elected the fbi released a document showing uh they'd been tracking uh, a large influx of people over recent years with white supremacist and neo-Nazi ties moving into local law enforcement agencies as well as the military. So, you know, when one asks, why don't the police do anything about these blatant domestic terrorist hate groups? I were implored to respond. Why don't you see Miley Cyrus and Hannah Montana at the same time? Um, Fun reference. (laughs) Yeah. Sure, um, sure. I was going to ask you something, and now I'm thinking about Miley Cyrus, and I just can't remember what it is. But like, <laughs> huh? I'm totally joking. Um, 
yeah no it, it, what you're telling me reminds me of like what the scientologists did with infiltrating the government like they had this whole plan where they got people hired in different positions and yeah it's uh it's something that can happen yeah so that is very interesting certainly so what yeah what can people do to like help out because this fucking sucks right and like uh what would you say i don't know people can do yeah i guess the best thing you can do is share accurate information like find local media or or independent media that's covering this shit and share that information you know be an ally to people of color have your friends and family listen to this section of the podcast and boost what's going on here you know people need to know that a they're being lied to and that law enforcement here as well as in many part of the country is completely unchecked out of control and acting as well not acting as public servants i mean they're supposed to protect people it's not what's happening um as far as like monetary contributions you know, I can't actually think of somebody locally anymore that you can donate to directly that isn't either overfunded or uh, has been noted as not really using their funds properly. But what you could do if you wanted, you could uh, look into uh, my um, shop on Etsy's Magic and Metal spelled with a K. Actually, that would be Etsy.com forward slash shop forward slash Magic and Metal. Um, all proceeds from purchases right now are going to help out. Um, the movement locally. I'm not going to say specifically where the money's going, but it's going to uh, a good place where people actually need it. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, just in case anybody was wondering about that uh, link, I'll go ahead and put a link in the episode description and stuff. And there is some really cool stuff um, on the store. So definitely check that out. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, you should uh, educate yourself on Black history in your local region as well as nationally. I would recommend reading Kendi's book, How to Be Anti Racist. It's really fucking good. I would recommend reading it too. It's very good. And it's, it's, it is. I, anyway, I could say a lot of good things about it, but continue on. Yeah, sure. I would also really highly recommend people re, uh, start learning what they can about fascism because, like, I know that term is getting thrown around a lot. And I know history class is not everyone's favorite class in school. But if you start looking at, comparing what's going on in our country and what has been going on in our country to what fascism is and what Hitler started doing in the early days of Germany. Like it's, I'm sorry to say it's very fucking similar. So if you were to only read one book about fascism, I would highly recommend against the fascist creep by uh, Alexander Ross, I think is the author of that very good book and i do want to note real quick that hector is a history teacher so his uh recommendation comes with that extra weight yeah it's true i'd also like to point out that like remember antifa stands for anti-fascist so it's pretty ironic when all these alt-right people are calling antifa fascists uh that's just like propaganda bullshit trying to flip the script you know hey man that's <laughs> that's what we're seeing a lot of these days right like yeah no kidding no kidding um you know they're, they're not even a they're it's not a, a connected group of people. Most of those people don't even know each other. It's there's no leader. It's not even really a group. Um, it's just a, an idea that people come together to push back against fascism. So it's like being a brony, right? Like there's no official fucking brony structure. It's just people like My Little Pony, like Antifa people do not like fascism. Yeah, that's an acceptable analogy, I'd say. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I just say like, if you go to a major protest and you see a bunch of people in black block that's all black with black bandanas and face masks and 
they're covered up and stuff like don't be afraid of those people they're like there to protect you you know they might be much further left in their political uh beliefs than you are but like they don't want to hurt you unless you like attack them or something anarchists aren't scary people who want to see the world burn most of us in normal times are out like giving food to people who need it or running free stores or trying to build a positive community where we aren't you know raging against the machine Anarchism doesn't mean a society with no rules or order as the people in power would have you believe. The Greek prefix an means without, and the suffix archi means ruler, hence, you know, monarchy is a government ruled by one person, usually a king. Anarchists want a world where there are no leaders making decisions for us, where communities are, you know, collectively making decisions together and uh, deciding what is good for them. Uh, without other people imposing their will from the outside. And I I know all the questions and uh, retorts that are probably running around in people's minds. I've been talking about this stuff with people who don't want to hear it for you know close to 19 years now. So if I could make one other book recommendation, I would say if anyone's going to anyone who doesn't really understand anarchy and also is not really inclined to agree with it i would just say read in defense of anarchism by wolf it's more of a pamphlet than a book it's super short probably like 120 pages or something like that and then if you make it through that and you want to learn more you can read david graber's books or his pamphlet uh towards a anarchist anthropology or something like that also Graham purchases work is really good and yeah i could go on and on and on and on about good anarchist books uh, anarchism and environmental survival if you're into in the environment or anarchy alive was a really good overview i enjoyed that one but hey on to your other questions yeah and uh, we'll go ahead and list those books in the episode description so if you all want to check those oh. out that will be there super all right. Excellent. Cool, man. Well, yeah, dude, thank you so much for, you know, being willing to like give such an honest account and all that detail and shit and everything. And so, yeah, you said something about like some people might not want to like hear some of these ideas, but I think that there's other people out there that might very much want to hear them. So I think it's always good to keep your mind open and keep your ears open to whatever new ideas and really question everything you hear and try to think critically all the time so yes thank you so much for sharing all that um anyway <laughs> i've written a lot of things here about how worried i am about the way the winds are blowing but i think we fucking covered that so i'm gonna skip over that yeah sure <laughs> yeah you definitely did talk about some pretty messed up shit um, and then there was one thing that you didn't mention that I did want to say is really fucking troubling, and that is the way that the mail system is being tampered or tinkered or how, whatever kind of verbiage you want to fucking use. It's being manipulated in such a way as to make it less convenient to use right before an election where it's going to be relied upon pretty heavily. So that's interesting. Yeah, I would go with sabotage. <laughs> yeah, that's another, that's yeah, another that... adjective that you could use. Yeah. Okay, sorry, verb. <laughs> uh, and that's like happening all over the country, too. It's not just in Oregon. It's mostly states that have said, hey, we're going to do mail-in voting. Everybody stay safe out there. Please, 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 please fucking vote. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. Fuck. I'm not going to tell you who to vote for, but please fucking do it. Just do the voting thing. Anyway, let's talk about some other shit. Yeah, let's do that. Okay, so what was your first experience when you first began getting like into occultism or walking the path or magic or witchcraft or however you like to describe your practice? Yeah, okay. So um, 
I was maybe 11 or 12 and um, just hanging out in my room. I don't even really remember entirely what I was doing, but I was thinking about just like magic and whatever and just like this stuff I read in comic books and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I wonder what people think about this online. And so like I went over to the computer and I typed in real magic and then all this stuff about Wicca started coming up. And it just was like fascinating to me that like, how did I not, how was I not exposed to this? How did I not learn about this in school? Like, why is the only religion I've ever heard of Christianity? And like, what, what is this stuff? And I got really, really interested in it. And, and basically I grew up on my grandparents, like former farmland, um, just like running around in fields and climbing trees and watching wild animals and stuff like that. And I always felt really close and connected to nature. And I never felt really more alive than running around in the pouring rain and, you know, watching massive thunderstorms that we have in, in central New York. And subconsciously, I, I was aware somehow of the energy and power in the natural world. Right. And sometimes when I, you know, I would have these like bursts of energy as a kid and I didn't always like need to have that burst of energy at at, a, at that point in time. Um, I would just like mentally bottle it up in like a glass jar in my mind and store it inside me for later use as needed. And I was doing that as young as like seven years old or something. So that's that's, you know, little Hector doing energy work and working with an astral temple long before I knew any of those things were a thing. Eventually, so like I find like witchcraft and Wicca and stuff and uh, I talked to my grandmother about it because she was like probably even as a child, the person who was closest to me even before my own parents. And I was talking to her kind of about it and she was like, oh, you know, your aunt who lives in uh, Alabama has always been really into that stuff. You know, I could talk to her about it and she could, you know, give you some more information and stuff. And she came to visit maybe like a year or so after I'd gotten into that. And she brought me like every Silver Raven Wolf book that was made at the time and like a whole bunch of incense and herbs and like the little briquette things that you like light to light uh you know you're like powdered incense or whatever the same things you used to like fire up a hookah um yeah, yeah those little charcoal thingies yeah those little charcoal thingies and like remember i forget what show it was that we did where we talked about that ridiculous uh teen witch kit that uh Llewellyn and Silver Raven Wolf produced yeah. but she brought me that too <laughs> and yeah, like a pendulum true. and like oh, one of every I had that. <laughs> Why didn't you say so during the episode? That's fucking amazing. I love it. <laughs> I didn't even, for some reason, I didn't even think about it at the time. But she also bought me like one of every single rock. <laughs> that was, <laughs> like she fully stocked my like witch That's cabinet. That's cool as hell, man. Badass. Yeah. But so like around 13 and probably was like a month or so after my aunt had given me all this stuff. I like wrote my parents a letter. Well, my mom and my stepdad, I guess I really just wrote it to my mom. And then I left it on the counter when I left the house to walk to school, um, basically telling my mom, like, I don't want to be a Christian. I want to be a witch. And uh, she and my former stepdad just completely lost their shit. Like, like they snapped. It was crazy. So they went through my room, gathered up 
anything they could find related to the craft books, stones, incense, comic books that had like whatever, even loosely related magic shit. Um, and then they, they got rid of it and they gave me this long ass speech about how like magic isn't real and they feared for my mental health. And, you know, mind you, these are two people who are Catholics who literally believe Moses parted the Red Sea and, and Christ walked on water. My stepdad even told me and like, this was buried in my memory until I started writing this and really kind of like digging through this. So it's kind of like uncovering some like weird trauma that I probably need to like go back and process. But this is what he said. He said, you know, if you believe in magic, well, why don't we go down to the river? You can cast one of your protection spells and I'll hold your head underwater and we'll see how it goes. So that's um, interesting. <laughs> yeah, dude, that's really fucked up, you know, and I do want to fucking interject real quick here and i apologize because i know this is personal story and i appreciate your candor um i do think that there are a lot of people out there that have issues of trauma surrounding spirituality from incidents like this and if you're listening out there and that's you there are ways to kind of get back from that and reclaim that sacred space for yourself i do i just want to say that so please continue on yeah for sure for sure I pretty much mark that interaction with uh, with those two people as uh, the single moment in which I became an introvert, really. I was a little more, I think, outspoken and like less introverted uh, before that happened. And that's the point where I like stopped telling my parents pretty much anything at all and just like learned not to trust people, which, you know, I guess I learned it, it wasn't really safe to be an individual. And, and so like I hid most things about myself um, and pulling out of that as an adult has been like particularly difficult. I'd say um, a lot of my relationships with friends and probably romantic relationships have, have suffered because of that. But, you know, it's it's shit to process and, and work through anyway. Yeah. So to like get back to the to kind of the point of your question, I started uh, recollecting occult materials and practicing in secret at my dad's house where basically no one was ever really around to care. And if they were, they were probably drunk as a skunk anyway. So it didn't matter. My dad would go to bed as soon as he got home from work. So, you know, uh, basically had the run of the basement. Um, so this is when I really started getting exposed to like ceremonial magic, a bit of druidism and other occult stuff. And by around the end of high school, I, I guess I was sort of in a weird space where I was in between atheist and Buddhist and not really practicing uh, the craft anymore. And when I got to college, got to try psychedelics finally. And I would say the doors of my perception were pried wide open and my third eye was thoroughly <laughs> squeegeed. Uh <laughs> I I realized why that stuff is illegal. I mean, if everyone had that experience, uh, we would no longer be living as sort of free range cattle in this whatever fake, you know, capitalist fake democracy thing. I, you know, it makes sense why why the powers that be have have tried to lock some of these things away from us. Um, and at that point, I, I really got into exploring my mind. I took a lot of philosophy and psychology classes and then got way more interested in spirituality again because I, I don't know, there's there's things that your brain taps into on those heavy doses of psychedelics that like you can't describe any other way. It's, it's pretty wild. 
yeah, I understood some truths that I don't think I'll be able to tell anybody else about <laughs> myself, too. It's it's very subjective. Yeah, yeah for Not sure. because I don't want to tell them. It's just because I'm not quite sure how. Um, yeah, anyway. exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so in what ways do you think that your spiritual journey has shaped your perspective, both of yourself and of the world at large? Uh, shit. Um, well, I think a lot of I think a lot of the way uh, my spiritual journey, my, my political journey have, have been rooted in like the idea of oppression, right? Um, had my parents not lost their tiny little minds uh, when I told them I wanted to practice a different faith, I, I imagine I'd probably respond quite differently to this question. Like, But honestly, it's been like one part rage against the machine and one part uh, how far out can I go and, and what can I bring back with me when I do. I mean, I guess if you wanted to put it all in, in band references, it's one part Rage Against the Machine and one part Tool. <laughs> but wait, which one is which? I'm so confused. <laughs> Are you? I mean, Rage Against the Machine is obviously the political one. <laughs> Just kidding. I am a tool has that song like uh, prying open my third eye. <laughs> yeah, I love Tool. On that anyway. note, I, I learned a fun little fact the other day. Tom Morello from Rage Against the Machine was in a band in high school called Electric Sheep with Tool's guitarist, who at the time played bass. That was Adam Jones. And Electric Sheep is a Philip K. Dick reference. So, you know, you can see all the cool stuff is like kind of related, right? <laughs> Dude. <laughs> anyway uh let's see i so i dated this one girl uh my sophomore year in college uh actually um my sophomore year in college and we were in a diner the morning after like a pretty hard acid trip and she looked up at me and she exclaimed last night i figured you out you want to tear the world apart and figure out how it works and then put it back together with all you know, somehow making it better. And Wait, but that was spot on. Do <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> really? I, I know, right? Wait, is it where you like, wait, you don't? <laughs> I did. That's not how I responded. I don't even remember what I said. I was probably like, yeah, you know what? You're right. Yeah, I probably did say that. But she was spot on, right? She, she figured it out. She figured me out. And, you know, I ended up ghosting her because she lived like 40 miles away and college and life was hard. And I feel bad about that. So, Molly, if you're listening, uh, you didn't do anything wrong. I was an asshole. Sorry. Um, and honestly, I think that covers both my perception of myself and, uh, and the world around me. Really, I just see it as, you know, one person trying to live authentically being oppressed in many different ways, uh, seeing others experiencing the same thing and wanting to, to stop, wanting to make it better, you know? Sure. Okay, so how does your practice play out in your daily life or what form does it kind of take? Sure. Almost everything in my life aside from my job is subject to momentary inspiration. I'm a highly emotional person, empath, uh, to the point where if, like, if I see someone get hurt, I feel like physical sensations in my body. It's really trippy. I try to have a regular pa uh, practice, but you know, when it goes beyond basic like astral work or like meditation, um, it often feels like uh, I'm just doing this to do it right now, aren't I? So really, I try to stick to only doing like, I guess what people would call ritual work um, when I actually have a strong specific need to do it. 
Um, and I know that's sort of contrary to what a lot of teachers of magic will tell you, like you need to practice regularly and all that. And, and frankly, I think that's true for people who want to be able to do magic, but don't really, or haven't felt plugged in for lack of a better way to describe it. Um, basically all their lives or, you know, whatever term you want to use. I have never really had trouble doing magic ritual after not doing it for months or years, but you know, that's, that's probably because, uh, my magical thinking is always there. I, I, I see and feel the world as a magical place and the very act of intentionally moving through it is magic. So when it comes to casting spells or shooting off a bunch of sigils or, you know, it just seems to happen naturally when I need to do it. And I find it no more or less effective than when I'm practicing uh, more strictly. No, that's cool, man. It sounds to me like you do have what people might call a regular practice, but like the form that it takes is more about your general outlook and the way that you see the world in like this magical way. And I think that that's something that might be true for a lot of people. And that's absolutely no less valid than any other way of doing this shit. And by this shit, I mean a spiritual practice, obviously. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of opinions out there about how to do this and how to do that and blah, blah, blah. And I'll fucking reiterate again, the shit that works for you is the right way. So, yes. Okay, dude, how do you feel about taking a break? Um, I actually have some sponsor copy I need to read and then we can do some bibliomancy. Okay, yeah, sure. Why not? Okay. <clears throat> So this is actually the first sponsor copy I'm going to be reading on this show so far. So this is for a product called Dream Link Red. Ever wonder what your dog, baby, or sleeping partner is thinking? Now, with the Illumined Dream Link Red neural interface, you can step into the mind of another being, virtually. Simply attach the patented ElectroSync InfraPad to the forehead of your sleeping husband to make sure he's not dreaming of that slutty secretary. Or use it to see if your child is planning on murdering you. Does your dog actually love you as much as she seems to? Now you can find out. The possibilities are endless with DreamLink Red. Do not use DreamLink Red on fully conscious parties as this could cause an irreversible blending of consciousness in some rare cases. Use at your own risk. See local laws for important information regarding neural interfaces and consent. Uh, Dreamlink Red and its affiliated images are property of Illumin Industries. All rights are reserved. All right, so thank you, Dreamlink Red and Illumin Industries for that. Nord. (laughs) 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 How about a little bit of bibliomancy? (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, yeah, sure. All right. How's this going to work? So I am going to ask you to ask a question of the Oracle, (laughs) and then you will flip a coin. And then roll a d12, or if you don't have a d12 handy, I will roll one for you. Um, and we okay. will decide what book we're going to use with that and uh, wait to receive the wisdom of Eris. Okay, so I need to flip a coin first. Or no, I need to ask a question ask first. Ask question first. All right, uh, I want to know what the meaning of life is. Okay. I'm going to flip a coin. Coin is heads. All right. And then you want me to roll a d12? That is correct. D12, okay um six all right so this is gonna be from the principia discordia (laughs) oh beautiful stand by while i grab it (laughs) sure all right oh eris what is the meaning of life all right ready i have an answer for you i'm so ready i'm so ready the pentagon represents the anaristic principle of order 
and symbolizes the Hodge. The pentagon has several references. For one, it can be taken to represent geometry, one of the earliest studies of formal order to reach elaborate development. For another, it specifically records with the law of fives. The truth is five, but men have only one name for it. That's it? Yep. Shit. Fucking cryptic. <laughs> the truth is five, but men have only one name for it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, that's okay. Um, I thought the truth was 42, or maybe that was the question and the answer was something else, but... Well, it's the answer, but we're still looking for the question. Um, to the, the meaning of life, the universe, and everything. <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> it's been a while since I've read some Douglas Adams, though I did come across a really beautiful interview with him um, in a really old 1980s heavy metal magazine a while back. It's kind of fun. Yeah. Oh, yeah, man. That's cool. Yeah, I love his stuff. Yep. Good die young. All right. <laughs> uh, that's true. I guess Billy Joel is bad because he's still alive. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't trying to throw shade at Billy Joel by saying that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you had to fucking take it there. Well, Fine. it's the Billy Joel song. <laughs> <laughs> I like Billy Joel. I do. Okay, so I'm. I was looking over these questions the other night, and I realized, dude. And I apologize for this, by the way, that like this next one that I ask you is incredibly fucking loaded. <laughs> like, oh my God, it has been a crazy week. And, but I do like your answers were in very insightful nonetheless. So I basically asked you to relate three concepts that humans have been arguing over the definitions of for like a very long time. Yeah. <laughs> Perhaps it would have made more sense to like try to define our terms first about like what all these things are. Maybe had like a fucking symposium in the style of Plato. And by the way, I do think people should be spending more time like getting drunk and talking about the nature of love. Over the internet, obviously, there still is a pandemic. But... Love, death, and robots. <laughs> uh, and also, in the symposium of in Plato, at least, they only talked about one kind of love, and then the Greeks had eight different words for it, and there's all these different nuances to it, and so it's this whole thing. So no wonder it's so fucking confusing to talk about all this shit, because we don't even have like the infrastructure or the vocabulary or anything to even name some of these complex concepts. So yeah. anyway, um, true. as a side note of in our society, the term seems to have in many cases, okay, and this is a little bit of my rants here. You were ranting earlier. I'm just going to do it real quick. Uh, it's been co-opted to represent like a narrative that is designed to keep us in the paradigm of maintaining the status quo as it relates to how we view relationships and the interactions people have. Seems like in a lot of cases, consumerism and possession have come to define love. Um, by this, I mean that the idea that you can buy a ring or some other thing like that, and then by transferring that value onto a person, like by putting it onto their finger or whatever, you've like somehow bought them. Like, I don't know. Or maybe it's just this like really sweet, quote unquote, traditional gesture, depending on your point of view. What <laughs> best to keep your mind open, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> best decide for yourself as an individual. Anyway, rant over. Continue, please. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it gets sticky there, too, because, um, 
you never really know how the other person or persons really interpret those gestures, right? Everybody involved might express joy, which could be interpreted as an authentic connection for those involved, yet internally everyone may interpret the actual experience differently. Like Also, like buying love in quotation marks is totally a thing. I don't know if you like play around on Tinder at all, but there's like so many people that just like their profile is their Amazon wish list. So I guess that sugar daddy shit's alive and well. I don't know. Hey, man, there's nothing Not... wrong with that. It is the oldest profession. So you do you, everybody. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know what? I can't be, I'm I'm fucking poor millennial. I cannot be a sugar daddy. But uh, is if there's a sugar mama out there, you can hit me up. Yeah, right. Anyway. I mean, like, uh, <laughs> we'll talk about this after. <laughs> hit me with another question, please. This is, this is more of a, a conversation for my other podcast. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Although there are no topics that are off limits here, so I shouldn't say that. Anyway. <laughs> okay, so here is, as I said, a very loaded question. Um, we've had lots of like conversations about like these concepts like art and magic and love and like what do you like how do you think these things fit together or do they not? How are they related or how are they different? Um All right, so do you just throw a bunch of synonyms at me? I, I feel like you just relisted the same word over and over again. Um in my mind, in a lot of ways, they're all the same thing uh, or different aspects of the same thing. Um, all three affect change in reality. Um, there's a benevolent and a sinister side to all of them and like way more than 50 shades of gray in between. Um, good art should elicit a response in the observer, but a good artist is wise to remember that Oscar Wilde quote from Picture of Dorian Gray. It's the observer, not reality that art truly mirrors. People will see your work and in it, they'll see whatever their mind creates, not necessarily what you tell them to see. In fact, when I go through a gallery or um, something, I, I usually refuse to read those little plaques next to a piece of art until I've had a good hard look at it with you know my own mind first before I see what the artist really is, is telling me to see. And yeah. I, I talked to a couple of my professional artist friends a year ago or so maybe a little over a year ago and they were saying oh yeah like most of the time we just have to write some bullshit so that the gallery can sell our piece like most of those plaques aren't are just like we just make that shit up after the fact you know yeah so no, that's super yeah. interesting Do you, like what you're saying like reminds me of something that ramsey duke talks about in um Sasamumi. it's like what what point does like art become magic and like i'm wondering if it's like if you can get your work to have people see what you want them to see is that like where art becomes magic or is that even not even a thing like how would you even know just uh <laughs> thinking out loud there no yeah that's a it's an interesting point to ponder for sure you know i, I think the same uh oscar wilde quote could apply to all aspects of life but especially the other two that you mentioned you know we may have the best intentions with our magic that we weave, but you know, the great all that is all um, plays its own own little game. And it's a heck of a trickster. If you aren't really specific with, you know, what you're putting out there, what you're asking for, what you, what you want. Magic is an art form. Um, magic can also be done with art. Falling in love is magical, but while, you know, I, I think it's okay to use magic to find love and draw it to you. I think it's a little unethical to cast a spell to try and make someone fall in love with you. That's kind of creepy and, and stalkerish. Um, 
I think and we've also, talked about that before. And yeah, and I'm actually not even sure it's, I've argued with people about this. I'm not actually sure it's even possible, but I don't know. People will get really mad at me for saying that. So I await your emails uh, eagerly. <laughs> <laughs> love, hate mail. Um, <laughs> you know, love, love is a tricky thing. I personally, like, I fall in love pretty easily. Um, not like I fall in love with everyone I meet easily um though you know that's a bit of an exaggeration but i i definitely know people and there are people out there where that's almost literally true but i i do tend to fall in love with you know people i'm seeing fairly quickly and unless they really do something to hurt me or turn out to be like a neo-nazi which hasn't happened yet thankfully (laughs) you know that feeling won't ever really go away i i'd say i'm still in love with a lot of the people i've I've dated in the past, even though I haven't seen them or spoken to them in several years, you know, that love isn't as strong as like the three people I'm actively in love with right now. Um, one of them is my cat. Um, that's a little That's our people too. <laughs> yeah. cat, cats matter. Um, of course, you know, I only see, you know, the one person I, I live with right now because, you know, global pandemic in our country, like cannot seem to handle rational, logical, uh behavior around this uh pandemic thing but uh you know love the love you share with someone isn't it's never really the same on on both sides i I wrote a poem about this um about a year ago or so now and i keep going back and forth in my head whether i really want to read it it's like super fucking telling and emotional and deep and shit but um you know i could pull it up maybe well, you know what? So this stuff that we're talking about today, like art, magic, love, philosophy, like I do want to say that it is for everybody, even if people might have like been taught otherwise, especially as it comes to like art and magic and philosophy. Like, I mean, I think everybody sort of gets that love is for everybody, but like, no, for real, like even if people think that they're a shitty artist or whatever, like, no, you you can fucking do it anyway. Just want to put that out there. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's just like a really good idea to get like a, a sort of idea about how other people might be accessing this stuff, or like I don't know, being brave enough to share it or whatever. I don't know, dude. It seems like sometimes people have a creative block and other obstacle to overcome, and seeing how other people have done it really fits with like I don't know, sort of how we work as a species, at least as far as like I understand it. You know, in terms of like storytelling and shit. So for me, like I had a really hard time sharing any of my work with like basically anybody my writing my fucking visual art any of any of my bullshit so like the fact that i like forced myself to make this like instagram account where i'm like putting all this like really personal shit out there it's like you know it's uh it's an example of ego magic right and it's like this is how i am doing that to overcome that specific challenge right so i don't know that's just uh and for real dude if you don't want to read it like please don't but if you want to happy to fucking hear it and eagerly awaiting stuff whatever you want no some of the stuff you just said is really inspiring and and it's true like if i don't read this here now on this episode of your show i might never do it um i certainly probably won't do it in front of people in person (laughs) yeah dude but like you know what this is this thing is this thing is me and I, i guess i'll 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 do it. So I, I pulled okay. it up here. Um, right. okay. I just want to like preface this with, like, I'm not a poet. 
I do write a bunch of shit. I'm that kid that like had a bunch of notebooks and I filled them up and I throw them in the corner and never read it again. I don't really edit stuff. This one I have edited a little bit, but like I'm by no means a poet. So this is just like shit from the heart. (laughs) Yeah, man. Well, I appreciate you being willing to read it. All right. Well, so it doesn't really have a working title. It's gone back and forth between just being called relationships or alone in life and love, but uh, I'd never really landed on anything. Some people are afraid of relationships, but not me. I relish in romance, adventures, crushing, cuddling, kissing, especially kissing. It's a little game, a, a dance we do together. I'm not really good at dancing, but I feel pretty confident in this. Everyone does it differently. You really get to know someone this way. Fun is fun, but relationships are complex. We must be there, be supportive, help each other, not just survive, but thrive. Communication is key, but that's where it gets sticky. In the tricky nuance of words, inflection, reference, body language, sometimes we're just emotional or had a bad day. Sometimes I'm sad or angry or scared or lonely. We do things we don't mean. I do things I don't mean. I forgive you. Please forgive me. Sometimes I need to be held. Sometimes I want someone to hold. It would be awesome if it was you. I mean that in the truest definition of the word awesome because my biggest fear isn't relationships. It isn't even dying or dying without living my life to the fullest, but dying alone. Not physically alone, but dying without anyone really knowing me, seeing me, feeling me for who I am beyond the vocal symbols and the written scribbles so often misinterpreted. Find me in the moments we connect on the beach, marching in the streets, rolling in the sheets, making out in the shower, cuddling in front of the TV, playing D&D or with pets, and yet it remains elusive. Though we share these moments, the experience is filtered through our operating system. So are you up for the challenge? Events are encoded in our brains differently. In recalling memories from that squishy hard drive in our skull, our brain, jerk that it is, automatically edits the data every single time. So how do I know when I say I love you and you respond, I love you too, we mean the same thing. I guess I take it on faith. I have to. I need this. There's not enough love in the world. I'm anxious about the very fact of my existence. So I need to feel close to people. When our bodies connect, I'm grounded at peace, though I'm never really sure anything beyond the neurons firing in my brain is authentic. Perception is reality. Can we shape it into something safe, something fun, something full of laughter, full of love? And that's that. Well, I thought that was really beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing. Well, thank you. (laughs) No, hell yeah, dude. Hell yeah. Um, Good stuff. I love the sentiments there. Absolutely. Especially the thing about memory. That's something that I think about all the fucking time, you know, like, and that's why I'm always lecturing people about keeping a good journal, everybody. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> anyway. Dude, yeah. Yeah. For real. I asked you, like, as an artist and a cult practitioner, how do you prefer to contextualize these two things within the narrative of your life and the world at large? And you were like, what could you elaborate please <laughs> that's <what>? yeah <laughs> like it's very broad like <laughs> sorry but i was like uh, i need a direction <laughs> no worries um like i said it's been a crazy week so i thought like here's maybe a better way to zero in on that like what role does 
magic and art play in your life like as it relates to how you think your time spent on earth or like being alive is like meaningful like how does it help you like do the thing or whatever like yeah yeah um well i just want to create as much as possible honestly and help educate people and help people become better people and you know that said balance is important um i'd say a lot of my music and art I create is like kind of dark and not always but a lot of the time and I, I I think that's more like therapeutic for me mostly but you know I hope maybe like other people can can find value in it too I I haven't actually shared really any of my music since um, the early days in college but I'm exploring EDM as a genre right now and I have a few tracks I'm working on that I'd like to get out there maybe in like late fall, early winter, but don't hold me to that. Uh, you can't rush art, you know? All right. I'll try not to hold you to it. <laughs> Appreciate it. Uh, when it comes to, to, to magic, it's, uh, it's a means to the end most of the time, I think. Uh, you know, it can also be therapeutic, but most of the time I use it to help me become either a better person or to enrich my life in one way or another. I very on very rare occasions, I, I'll i use it to deal with like negative people in my life. But that's only happened, I mean, maybe once in my adult life and only a handful of times when I was uh, like a teenager. So I'm starting to formulate a, a plan for a like a wide scale use of magic against these like hate groups and neo-fascists that are running amok out there. I have a few ideas, um, but, you know, if you... Uh, you want to get in on that little project we can you can chat about it more kind of after this interview and if not you know that's totes cool too no pressure yeah dude i would definitely be interested in like hearing your ideas about all that stuff for sure it's something i've been thinking a lot about too this idea of like i don't know what you want to call it red magic war magic strategic magic working with my girl the morgan still so yeah. a lot of that stuff <laughs> but um nope. yeah so this is a, definitely something that comes up all the time here um, and I would be interested to hear how this looks for you. Like, could you expand a bit on how you use magic to kind of enrich your life and like, you know, maybe some ideas about how other people might do similar things? Like, I think that people, it can be really easy to get kind of, I don't know, intimidated by all the jargon and all the like spooky bullshit, like, you know, in, in terms of when you're first starting to like want to incorporate some of this brand of spirituality. Are there some like simple ways and shit that like that happens for you? And uh. Yeah, there's a lot there. Um, I think it's pretty common for people uh, to begin magic to to do it to like get things they want. Right. I think probably like I'm speculating here, but I, I assume like money and getting laid and getting paid. Right. Are pro <laughs> exactly. Are probably, you know, the most common people, th uh, common things people uh, do when they're like getting into entry level spell work. And that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, you know, I think, and, and then after getting laid and getting paid, as you put it, um, then probably comes like, maybe like, I don't want to use the term black magic, but like, um, negative or sinister magic, right? Um, like cursing people and stuff. And I, I really caution against that kind of thing, unless it's like absolutely necessary. Like I can foresee events where doing that could be justified, but like, I really, really caution, especially people that are just getting into this stuff to like stay away from putting negative energy out there we have enough negative energy floating around right now we've got a lot of it yeah we've got we've got plenty 
plenty of negative energy to go around. Um, that said, uh, maybe try some protection magic or reflection magic instead and bounce that shit away. Um, but really, a lot of the magic I end up doing is ego magic or ego work, which we discussed on Fool's Guide to the Occult um, during the time we were working together. But for the, you know, for the sake of your listeners, you know, this involves various avenues of thought, personality, and belief modification, among other things. And depending on what model of magic uh, you follow or how you look at it, you could just argue that this is a combination of acting and psychology. But, you know, we could do a whole series on what is magic. So I won't really dive too deep into that pool at the moment. I would say largely uh, the types of spell work and ritual I do are most mostly a combination of ego magic or playing around with my mind castle, as I call it, which I've come to learn as an astral temple. And uh, I find myself trying to draw more love into my life um, pretty frequently. That's a common type of spell work I do. That said, you know, I'm looking into doing a bit of combat magic, as we recently talked about in preparation for November um, and and some stuff to to draw more positivity in the world to balance that out, which kind of sounds like some hippie shit. And maybe it is. But, you know, all this hate's going to kill us, man. Um, speaking of which, I, I want so kind of the thing that I, I wanted to talk to you about, and I'll just put it here because it kind of relates is I, I want to build like a sort of astral magic mirror to reflect all the negative energy back on to these like alt-right white supremacist creatures that are out there you know it's 2020 not 1100 uh we need to be behaving like humans instead of dogs um and try and come together i guess i don't know does that answer the question at all (laughs) yeah it does and i do i see your note here about asking if it's okay for you to swear please uh swear with a fucking abandon (laughs) yay good (laughs) Do you have any suspicions or opinions about how magic might work? And if so, like, love to hear them. Yeah, sure. This could sound cheesy, um, but I'm going to say mind over matter. You know, I don't really think that gets to the heart of it, but that's kind of like a cliche I could use to describe it. I think that and. It's difficult because like my opinions on these things tend to go back and forth on any given day. But I think a lot of the time uh, the concentrated will of an individual consciousness can cause a great change in aspects of what we would consider to be reality, aspects of which that we, we don't fully understand scientifically yet. I think a lot of this will come down to you know what the true nature of consciousness is and the effect of perception and how we can shift it and various aspects of physics that the scientific community has theorized or seen the effects of but hasn't fully cracked the surface of understanding yet. You know there's so much in the in the realm of quantum physics as a science that holds great promise for us as people and our understanding of existence but as a science quantum physics is super young and right now it exists in a world of like anti-science anti-education anti-truth so yeah i don't know sorry to be a downer i'm off my joy that's a <laughs> that's a video game reference i'm i do not take happy pills <laughs> <I know. laughs> um, cool yeah cool so it sounds like you're like pretty into the psychological model 
and um yeah that's cool man it's a very accessible model i fucking get it for sure yeah oh, hell yeah um so what aspects of your personality do you feel most strongly connect with like the call to pra- to the practice or to occultism or however you like to refer to what you get up to i think like being an individual like truly an individual and an intellectual and the drive to live like an authentic life i the need to know as much as I can about as much as I can and uh, my innate feelings that there's a lot more to existence than what we've been able to describe. You know, I've had some experiences in my life that just like cannot be explained period outside of some sort of spiritual experience. And, you know, those are the, the things, the few things that have like kept a thread of spirituality attached to me, even during like periods of hardcore atheism, which I've recently noticed, tend to follow periods when I'm feeling depressed or whatever, which, you know, shit happens. But yeah, I, I'd say those are the aspects of my personality that, that connect with that. Like the individuality and like the, I want to understand everything, you know? Yeah, no, dude, for sure. I think that that was probably, you know, I, I share your sentiment in terms of that's a, in large part one of the things that attracts me to it too. Um, and it's also interesting what you said about like, you know, noticing these patterns of you said sort of like dips and flows and like spirituality connected to your, you know, kind of emotional profile at the time. So yeah, I've also had that experience, too. And I think that like when you kind of come to like recognize these patterns, it's like a huge gift, you know, like even if it sucks, like, you know, at the time, like when you can see it, it's like, fuck, this is really valuable information. Like, uh, you know, to see to the heart of design is like momentary illumination. Anyway, I don't know. I wrote that down. I'm not quite sure what it means. Whatever. Uh, <laughs> has, has walking the path involved any sacrifice for you? And if so, what form did this take? Oh, God. Yeah. I mean, yeah, totally. It cost me friendships and general relationships with my peers, especially when I was in middle school and high school. Um, you know, but it also served as sort of like a form of armor from like a lot of like violent redneck Baptists that were running amok in my, you know, where I grew up. And well, you know, that and being covered in a, a medium coat of leather and tree spikes. But, you know, uh <laughs> It definitely cost me part of my relationship with my mother. You know, there are more factors to that than just like my personal beliefs. Uh, My stepfather was definitely a royal douche. And I'd say he certainly got in the way of any sort of healthy relationship at the time. And, you know, it's gotten a little better over the years. But, uh, you know, it's hard to rebuild those relationships with your parents as adults or even build relationships with your parents once you're an adult. Um, But, yeah, I mean, there have been times where I, I felt like, you know, I really tapped into some shit that I didn't mean to or didn't want to tap into. Um, but also, you know, magic has also helped me lock some shit away or dissipate some stuff that I, I didn't want or need in my life. You know, I think like any lifestyle choice that you might make, you're making a trade off, whether it's something subcultural or s- sticking with mainstream culture, whatever that may be. Or, you know, even if, you're one of those people that that refuses to take sides or make choices. You know, you, that's a trade-off too. You're making a trade-off there. And my personal belief in the past that I've really strongly come around to and, and I'd say like the past month is that, you know, at least me, but I would argue everyone, you know, we should really strive to, to live authentic, authentically and be true, you know, whatever that means for the individual person. And, you know, take up a, 
a belief, a religious belief, a political belief that feels right to you, uh, you know, but if that alienates you from your family or, you know, politically ad- identifying as an un- with an unpopular philosophy, though I'm honestly going to say I think more U.S. citizens, if they knew really what anarchy was <laughs> and was all about, they'd be super into it because it's all about like the peak of freedom and, and self-actualization. But like, you know, whatever, whatever it is, whatever you choose to, however you choose to live your life, you know, um, you're going to make some kind of trade-offs and, uh, yeah, that's unavoidable. There's always going to be some sacrifices and I can't, I can't say, I can't, you know, pull out all of them, but yeah, definitely, you know, just be true to yourself is where I land on all that. Absolutely. <laughs> if you're not true to yourself, if you're not living authentically, in the end, we do make the ultimate sacrifice, which is you're sacrificing our sense of self. So stand up for something or you fall for anything, I guess, right? Yeah. I mean, and again, like, I think what you're saying, look to yourself for what's going on. Don't rely on the outside world to paint the picture for you. Question, ask, decide question your decision again keep doing that um, you describing anyway. critical praxis <laughs> <laughs> um you could call it a lot of different things but yes <laughs> um so but yeah and it can be hard to make those sacrifices right or like fight those battles but it's what must be done sometimes to like continue on and so what advice would you give to people who are like fellow seekers, like, you know, like truth seekers or freedom seekers, like people who are new to this journey? Uh, consume as much information as you can um, and don't take it at face value. Uh, it's really important to critically think, which means like you got to think about who wrote it. Why might they have written it? When did they write it? who got them to write it if they didn't, you know, if it doesn't truly come from them. Like, so if it's like a news outlet, like what, how are they funded? Who's paying the bills? Who's paying the bills, (laughs) right? Every piece of information that exists out there, anything anyone's ever created has been created for a reason. So before you like take what they're writing at face value, think about why it was produced in the first place. But to go back to, to what I was starting to say, consume as much information as you can, gobble it all up, sit on a throne of books like a dragon hoarding gold, just make sure you're reading those books, and you know having them isn't good enough. And, and if you ever you know, walk into someone's house and you don't see at least a couple books around, do not sleep with them. <laughs> but, but that was another Tinder profile that I saw that I really appreciated. <laughs> but like... Really, the core is you have to learn first. You can't just like jump out there and start doing stuff. I mean, you can, but it's probably good to know what you're doing before you try doing it, right? You wouldn't try to swim without having someone taught you how to swim first. Seems like good general purpose advice. (laughs) Right? So after you've done all this learning and you find sort of like a focus that feels right not that, you know, that's interesting or not what's popular or what people around you are into you, but something that really resonates with your whole being, then start putting what you've learned into practice. Play, experiment, seek help when you need it. Find an open running dialogue you can have with other practitioners, even if they aren't, you know, don't exactly share your same path. And 
I'll throw this spoiler out there. No one really walks the same path. There's this old hippie saying, we're all on our own journey and say what you want about hippies. But, uh, you know, I agree with a lot of that stuff. If it's only one thing that they absolutely have right, I think it's that phrase. And I think there's a little bit more than that. But anyway, I like the question authority thing. (laughs) Yeah, that's good, too. I mean, I don't think you can save the world with flowers, but whatever. Um, We all need to make our own way. And the way is made if we don't, the way is made for us by other people who seek to control our lives. Right. So either way, the the path is never the same for two people. No, no matter how similar it is, it's personal. It's hyper personal. Um, which is stressful because no one can ever really understand you. But, it, you know, it, it's equally beautiful because it's raw, it's real, it's, um, you know, it's something no one can ever really take away. So you need to find that thing that's like, that is you, right? I guess find yourself. That would be my advice. Hell yeah, man. Very well put. Hell yeah. And also, I do want to, I just, I have to just play devil's advocate too, like, you know, because you made this axiomatic statement and I, I just have to challenge it. <laughs> you said nobody can really ever understand you. Like, but how would we know? <laughs> That's all. <laughs> Touche. Anyway. I'm not going to answer that, but yeah. <laughs> I apologize. I just had to no, do that. I appreciate it axiomatic statements and all anyway you know so okay so what's the most meaningful personal truth you've been able to quote unquote carry out of the temple and this is a phrase that uh, i had started using uh in reference to the way that sometimes these things will appear esoteric truths are like cats they come to you when you sit quietly and not when you chase after them with your arms open (laughs) like so yeah anyway or whenever they're hungry (laughs) yeah uh i'd say this and give it some time but nothing is clean and that sounds like me being a downer again which you know i'll admit i've been a little depressed and and anxious um pretty much since the beginning of july but but really i don't mean it that way it's it's not exactly positive, nor is it negative. Um, just whatever a thing is, it comes with other stuff too. Maybe that's energy attached to it or baggage or assumptions or illusions or delusions or prejudices or uh, I just listed a bunch of negative things, but there's positive stuff too. Um, and, you know, I got that out of my astral temple slash ego magic experiences where I was confronting different personality aspects of my psyche. Like, and I learned that they're not always really what they appear to be. And even those that, that seemed uh, the most negative uh, serve a purpose and you should develop a good working relationship uh, with your demons, I guess I'll say. Um, instead of rooting them out and eliminating them entirely. Uh, When I started applying this to other aspects of my life, I definitely had great results. You know, I'd say there was a lot of truth discovered by the people in the Far East, in Asia, and a lot of that stuff embedded in in their mystical traditions. But one thing I'd like to pull out and and just kind of dance around a little bit is the yin yang. And it's a really clever depiction of like sort of the true nature of things in the physical realm, the spiritual realm, the social realm, and so on. Everything carries a little bit of its, I mean, I don't want to really say opposite because I don't really believe in that like binary kind of duality crap. I think it's a lot more complex than that, but Mm -hmm. 
as like an oversimplification, I, I think it really works. Like everything has a little bit of its opposite and it, it is one part of a whole that can exist um, or it must exist for anything to have any meaning at all. Um, you know, you have to have those kind of competing aspects of things. Imagine life with no pain or sadness and nothing bad ever happened. It would have absolutely no meaning. Suffering must exist for us to grow for love and life and happiness to, to, to matter. And it's what puts things into context. Joy itself would be completely meaningless without sorrow. And besides, so much great art, music, poetry comes from sadness and rage and discontent. But yeah, long speech short, nothing is clean. Everything carries with it a bit of something else. And that's probably one of the most meaningful personal truths that I've taken out of the work I've done over the years. It sounds simple. I think sometimes like when you look at the yin yang symbol or whatever, like it's like, oh, yeah, everybody knows that opposites, the force, whatever, Star Wars. Um, but it's actually, mm. like you said, it's a lot more fucking complicated to actually like experience. Cool, man. Hell yeah. Yeah, right on. Why is it worth it? Like if it's worth it at all, which I think we've pretty well established it might be uh, to pursue the work of magic. Um, Self-actualization. Um, being called to do it, living authentically, uh, I think. Like, if you're listening to this and you haven't ever felt like you were called to magic, which I I think that's probably going to be no one who listens to this because I assume that's mostly what you talk about. Uh, but let's just say for the sake of argument, if you're a person listening to this and you haven't been called to do magic and you still aren't, maybe it's not the thing for you. Check it out if you're curious. Maybe it'll feel right. But if it doesn't, don't force it. Like nothing good can come from that. I think it's worth it, as you say, to pursue things that speak to you what resonates with your heart and every fiber of your being you have to live the way that feels right not follow the herd or whatever you know obviously there are some restrictions to that don't infringe on anyone else's freedom or safety you know don't harm people unless you know you're like actually defending yourself from an attack and don't do anything that would you know jeopardize your security because we all have to you know try our best to you know, survive capitalism, basically, right? Um, you know, we've got to live our truest lives while still, uh, you know, maintaining a job. And, you know, I feel like half of us are, you know, just a hospital visitor, job loss away from homelessness sometimes, which is fucking crazy. But yeah, you, you know, you got to live your best life within the confines of very few restrictions. But yeah, speak your truth, as cliche as that phrase kind of feels now and, and live it too. Um, whatever that truth is, if it's magic or whatever, live, love, help others, you know, do the same when you can. And, um, you know, realize that we're all in this together. You know, we got to be helping each other out and, and become a global community rather than just really trying to tear each other apart for the tiny little scraps that are kicked down to us, honestly. So, yeah. I mean, if magic is that thing that like super resonates with you, do it. If not, find that thing that like feels like this is my life or this is me or this is right. Fuck yeah, dude. Very well put. All right, dude. Thank you 
so much for being so generous with your time and honest and answering like all these very intense questions. <laughs> um, do you have any like thoughts for the listeners? Like any last thoughts or anything that you'd like to plug? Last thoughts. I mean, I'd circle back to the very first thing we discussed. Like, I know that like sometimes people really separate religion and politics and stuff. And often people are really passionate about like this thing and then kind of to the exclusion of everything else. But I would say every decision that you ever make is a political decision, no matter what it is. Please, please, please. Like the stuff that's happening in our country right now, especially in Portland and in many other major cities, Minneapolis and other places, like it's not okay. We cannot have a police force that behaves in a way that's harming its citizens. We cannot let these like racist policies in our country stand. We cannot allow our government to destroy all the laws and things that tried to make this place like a free and safe and respectful and independent country. Please stay up with what's going on in different places and spread accurate information, I guess. I'd say listen to Fool's Guide to the Occult. Um, also, I've got that pretty spiffy Etsy site, which is uh, www.etsy.com forward slash shop forward slash magic and metal. Magic N, the letter N, metal, and magic with a CK. I know you're going to put the link in the description. I don't know. I've got a forthcoming website maybe in a couple months from now, but if you like follow magic and metal on insta and follow fool's guide to the occult <laughs> at fool's guide you'll be able to find that shit when it goes live um i'm in the middle of writing a bunch of books but whatever who knows when any of that stuff will get done i would like to say though you know it was an honor and a, a pleasure working with you for a few months so i really appreciate that and appreciate you and I'm sure your future work is going to be kick-ass so i look forward to that hell yeah dude well i appreciate you coming on my show and being willing to work with me i really fucking enjoyed it and so um yeah thank you so much all right thank you again to hector um okay as i said there will be links and a list of the books that he talked about in the episode description um i'm also going to put in some links to educational resources related to black lives matter so please check those out um there will also be some stuff for mental health care resources some of the stuff that we talked about today, um, it was pretty rough and shitty, for sure. I, I understand that. The unfortunate truth is that being exposed to abuse can be sort of like getting infected with an illness in a lot of ways. Like, I don't know. I've been thinking a lot about this. Like, when the pandemic hit, I began to wonder, like, to what extent are there, like, emotional pathogens? like entities that exist not as like a string of genetic information, but as like signature patterns, which are like learned and repeated. So, I mean, I don't know. The pandemic has taught us the importance of like taking social responsibility, not to expose others to pathogens that we might be carrying. Like if we're exposed, you know, to a virus or whatever, it's not our fault, but we have to take personal responsibility. We have to make sure uh, that we can deal with it and that we can do what we need to do so that we're not going to inadvertently cause another person harm through our own carelessness. So it's sort of this like line of thought that, you know, this idea of these entities that led me to create the mimetic disease project, which is like a technique to sort of both like heal emotional trauma and increase magical potency. And it does a few other things too. Um, it's really helped me tread some new ground and get a lot of perspective. 
Uh, there's a link to the protocol in the episode description in case anybody wants to try it. And if you do, I would absolutely love to see um, whatever pieces you, you make uh, using it. I'll probably go into greater detail about this project in the next episode, which is going to be about ego magic. Um, and I think Hector talked about that in the interview. It's something that I know we're both pretty into. We've talked about it pretty extensively, he and I, and there is an episode on that in Fool's Guide to the Occult, so check that out. So I'm also going to be talking about egg magic in the next episode, which it turns out is actually related to ego magic. So tune in to figure out how that might be true. Um, so thank you again to Hector, and thank all of you so much for listening. Please email me at luxacultpod at gmail.com. You can also check out the show's Instagram account at luxacultpod and the Mimetic Disease Project at the underline mimetic underline disease on Instagram. I'm going to close with something that I like to say to myself every once in a while. All right. Much love, guys. Take care of yourselves. Bye. I am many. I am one. I accept this sacred work to be given into my hands, to attend the temple of the first flame and carry it within me. I will not be blinded by the light, for I am its bearer. I will not flee from darkness, for it is within me. And I will endure what I must, to know, to dare, to will, to remain silent. For myself, for my species, for my planet, for the great work of magic.